In contracts, we're talking about how to limit expectation damages or some of the limitations, uh, I should say, rather than how to limit, it's just what, what are some of the things that are limitations on actually gathering expectation damages. As part of the expectation damages formula, we have something called other loss. We just talked about this in the previous episode, but other loss is going to be defined by the restatement second in contracts, and this includes consequential injuries. These consequential injuries are going to be subject to limitations, and that's going to be foreseeability, certainty, and causation. So the restatement defines both the loss of value and other loss, and it describes it in general damages and consequential damages. So those are two different types of categories and is outlined in Restatement 347A and B. Direct damages, these general damages, are going to be damages that occur naturally according to the usual course of dealings, and this is going to be uh, damages that incur just specifically from that immediate breach. And these are going to be damages that you can always get a refund on. Uh, It's pretty straightforward. It's the loss of market value based off of the agreed-upon contract. Immediate damages. Uh, The specific language of the restatement, I believe, uh, reads, General damages, including the profit on the contract breach, require no special proof that they were within the contemplation of the parties, although proof of that of the amount of damage is still required. So that's 347A. 347B defines indirect damages or consequential damages. Indirect damages occur if it is reasonably within the contemplation of the parties. In other words, consequential damages. These are costs that are going to be incurred by special circumstances, and those special circumstances need to be communicated to both parties to obtain these, uh, you can say, indirect damages. In other words, there's a requirement of foreseeability in order to actually obtain it. Uh, The restatement says consequential damages, including profit on collateral damages, including a requirement of foreseeability. Section 351 of the restatement defines a little bit more of how uh, these damages are going to be recoverable. Uh, There's two main parts. Uh, The first part is going to be that damages are not recoverable for the loss of a party in a breach if they did not have a reason to foresee a probable result of the breach when the contract was made. Loss may be foreseeable as a probable result of the breach because it follows directly from the breach in the ordinary course of events or as a result of special circumstances which goes beyond the ordinary course of events uh, that the party has a reason to know. So it's important to note that the consequences must be foreseeable at the time of contract formation. And it's also important to note that there is no need to inform if the breach is going to flow from ordinary course of events. So a good example of this is if a builder's beam in a house is going to fail and the house crashes down, well, a beam is used in the ordinary course of events, 
So the builder does not need to inform the supplier of its intended use. Otherwise, it, the you need to inform what's going to end up happening in order to actually recover if any injury occurs. The UCC 271, uh, sorry, Chapter 2, 715, Subsection 2, it just reemphasizes, as far as the sell of goods goes, that the contracted party has a reason to know of the potential loss. As far as foreseeability goes, a court may also limit damages uh, in recovery for lost profits by only allowing for damages for loss incurred in reliance or otherwise, uh, however it concludes, justice is required. A lot of the time, too, new businesses aren't going to be able to recover other loss for expectation damages. And this is just because we don't know what they would have expected otherwise because they're just a new startup. Uh, they don't have a ton of evidence to show, here's what other damages I would have been able to establish. Here's the other contracts I would have lost had I not had any damages to begin with. Uh, sometimes, though, parties are going to add liquidation damages into their contract clauses just to have a good set amount of what recovery is allowed. We'll talk about liquidation uh, clauses in future episodes when we discuss agreed remedies. Uh, I just want to go ahead and sum, sum everything up sum, just to make everything clear as far as how the limitations on expectation damages are going to be. Uh, first, damages must be within the contemplation of the parties, meaning you have to know those other contracts at the time that the contract was uh, formulated. Uh, second, only a party subject to notice and to a notice termination clause has the right to limit damages to cancellation. Uh, third, the damages must be caused by a breach of contract. And fourth, the loss uh, needs to be capable of a reasonably accurate measurement. Otherwise, limitate, uh, expectation damages are going to be limited for recovery. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.